the words of agar we're going to study that today as we get into the world's best-selling book good morning good afternoon my name is rod Hembert. i'm janice and the world's best-selling book of course is the bible that's god's word it is very very interesting as we look at Proverbs 30. We're going to explore that today. Now, Corey is here with Ryan. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at lions in the Bible and lion imagery in the ancient world. Ryan? Well, today I'm looking at how dairy products were made in the ancient Middle East. And interestingly, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33 gives us some insight into the process. All right. Very good. Janice, what are you doing today? Yes, today I've titled my segment, Help Lord. All right, very good. So take your Bible. That's the most important book of all. And that book is the best-selling book. It's the world's best-selling. It's more Bibles published in this world than anything else. Can you believe that? It's amazing. We just need to read them. Exactly. We have to read them. So get the Bible out and let's listen to what God is saying to us in Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, verses 1 through 9. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, his utterance. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Eucal, Surely I am more stupid than any man, and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 9. Proverbs chapter 28, chapter 29, and chapter 30 and 31. That's what we cover today as we read through the Bible. It is absolutely amazing. We're going to focus on Proverbs 30, the first nine verses. Now, Proverbs is a wonderful book that offers truths about life. Offers truths about the world and offers truths the way God works. It is not wisdom from man, however, it is wisdom from God. And when we choose to live our lives to follow God and know his presence in this sin-cursed world, we are given an amazing opportunity to gain and to live in godly wisdom that is not from this world. Now, Proverbs chapter 30 and chapter 31, they are written differently than the first 29 chapters. Chapter 30 is written by a non-Hebrew contributor named Agar, the son of Jacob, who came to faith in God of Israel in a foreign land. 
Now, what we read in Proverbs 30 are the words of wisdom from Agar recorded for everyone to hear and everyone to consider. The chapter begins with Agar's humble declaration that he is in no way any more intelligent or special than anyone else. This chapter in Proverbs is both fascinating and meaningful. and God calls on his people to all of his wisdom. And as we focus on this and as we get a hold of this, it's important to remember that the book of Proverbs, the word means words for living, words to live by. It's for us to understand so that we can adjust our lives. Now, that becomes very important. If you have a Bible guide, turn to it today. As we look at the words of Agar, a very unique and amazing man from Proverbs 30, verses 1 through 9. And uh, as you do that, you can write to us or call us for your Bible guide or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page and it'll take you to a donate page. Let me say thank you for your donations. They are very important. They keep us alive and keep us strong. We thank you for them. Now, it's important to understand that when you go there, it'll take you from the donate page to a page where you can download the Bible guide exactly how we put it. So it's very interesting. And you're seconds away from joining us. So let's pray that God speaks to us. Father, help us today to listen to you, to listen to your words of wisdom. Lord, this is not wisdom from this world. This is not wisdom we can get somewhere else by reading another book. But this is wisdom from you. And help us to understand that and hear it. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, let's look at this because it gets very interesting. As we focus on chapter 30, and the first words here are the words of Agar, the son of Jacob, his utterances. This man declared to Ithiel, the Ithiel and Ukal, surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the Holy One. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Fascinating. Now, this should bring us to a place where we ourselves seek and know God. The best part of learning is growing. Who doesn't want to learn? Everybody wants to learn something. And most people go through life just doing things to make them happy. But learning is an amazing thing that helps you to grow. As we learn, we grow as people. And that becomes very important. So today, as we look at this scripture, we identify with these words of Agar and we say, yeah, you know, we need to grow, Lord. So help us. That's interesting. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4 says, who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? who has established all of the ends of the earth. What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? What an amazing question. I want you to think about this. The greatness of God is not limited by this world. The greatness of God is not limited by this world. The Lord Jesus stands waiting for us to come to him. And beloved, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we give our lives to him, he does something for us. 
He introduces us to who he is by sending us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not from this world. The Holy Spirit comes from God in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is what we need to get us out of these problems that we have. Because we can't change ourselves, but the Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit changes us. And so we pray, Father, help me to change as your Holy Spirit takes control over my life. And that's part of coming to know God. That's part of what it means to be born again. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, a touch of God inside of you to change you. And that changes the world around us. It's very interesting, you know, as we discuss this. Now let's go on. Proverbs chapter 30, verses five through nine, watch this. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. A shield. Verse six says, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you. That's very important today. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things that I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Number one, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. That's the second one. Feed me with food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Now that brings me to a very interesting point. Listen carefully. We do better when we understand that God's plans for us are written in his word. His plans for us are written in his word. God's word is pure. He is our shield and we must trust in him. Beloved, listen to me carefully. The word of God is pure. The word of God is real. The word of God is God's word to us. We need to listen to it. You know, if you haven't made a commitment to read the Bible, I want to encourage you to do so. If you've come to know the Lord, that's great. But to know what the Holy Spirit says, now that you know the Lord, is wonderful. Read the Word of God. You can read it on your iPad. You can read it on your phone. You can read it. Commit some time today and read it so that you understand what God has said to you. And when we read it, let's listen carefully. Now, we need to come to know the Lord, of course. But after that, there's more work to be done in our lives. Beloved, reading the Bible is work, and it's wonderful work. God calls us to it because our sin has separated us so far. God removed the consequences of those sins in the spiritual realm, and he draws us to himself through reading the word of God. So that becomes very important. And Lord, I want to pray today as we conclude this teaching time that you would speak to our hearts and help us to learn to read your word. I commit today, I am going to continue to read your word every morning as I've always done in the past years. Help me today to learn how to become more like you. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
It's time now to carry on with our discovery of the Bible. And my segment today is all about how certain dairy products were made in the Middle East. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33, gives us some insight into the process. And what's really cool is that the writer of this passage uses this imagery to teach us a valuable lesson about the nature of anger and strife. But let's take a look at how people in the ancient East produced tasty dairy products. The Hebrew word chemah occurs no less than 10 times in nine different verses throughout the Old Testament canon. The King James Version of the Bible always translates this word as butter, though other translations render it in various different ways, such as curds, cream, curdled milk, and even cheese. While there has been some question surrounding the accuracy of the KJV's translation of this Hebrew word as butter, we do know that butter was known about in ancient Israel at least. As it's been pointed out, since some adjacent countries knew and used butter, such as the Hittites, and with their sheep, goats, and cows were butter makers, it seems probable that the Hebrews also had it. As a matter of fact, the mere action of transporting milk from place to place would produce churned butter, and the churn-type vessels known from archaeology would be ideal for that purpose. It also seems that this Hebrew word can refer to a range of different dairy products, including butter. As one scholar explains, dairy products were an important element of the diet of the ancient world. Due to the lack of refrigeration, the milk from cows, water buffalo, sheep, or goats could not all be consumed before going sour. So to prolong the life of this vital resource, the milk was put into goat skins, buffalo skins, or clay vessels and curdled by agitating it in various ways. The resulting product would range from cream to butter to cheese, depending on the exact process followed. These products could be kept for periods ranging from a week to several months. The 19th century reverend James Freeman, in his great work Bible Manners and Customs, explained well the specific process that was involved. Sometimes the skin containing the milk is shaken to and fro, or beaten with sticks. Sometimes it is placed on the ground and trodden upon. Again, it is pressed or squeezed with the hands so that the contents become agitated and greatly coagulate. The Bible actually seems to allude to this last method in Proverbs 30, verse 33, where it says, For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Interestingly, curds are still made in a similar way today, though they now go by the name of leaven. Leaven is produced by churning somewhat fermented milk resulting in a kind of butter and buttermilk. This is put into cloth bags and the water is squeezed out, leaving the leaven. Thick curds may be made by boiling the leaven and hardening it into granulated cakes, which may later be pounded up and mixed with water to reconstitute leaven. This product is much used by desert Bedouin during the non-milking season of the herds. So I hope you enjoyed the report. You know, it's really interesting to see the processes by which Middle Easterners made some of their dairy products and, now, and how it's still made today in a similar way. And I really like how the writer of this Proverbs passage uses the process to teach us about the nature of anger. And he says, for pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Words of wisdom that we all should consider. We really should consider that. That is very interesting. Corey, what's up? 
All right, well, today I'm going to be taking a look at lions in the Bible because we see lions being referenced in several different contexts, just talking about actual physical lions in the ancient world, in the books of the histories and the kings. But also when we get into the, the writings, Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and even into the prophets, the Bible uses the lion symbolically. And when we open up our history books and we take a look at the ancient cultures uh, of Israel, Israel and surrounding Israel, we realize that there was a very uh, deep symbolism associated with lions. So let's take a look. The lion was one of the main predators of ancient Israel and is mentioned often in the Bible. Today, the wild Asiatic lion is extinct in Israel, though a modern cousin lives in captivity thanks to conservation efforts. From references in the Bible, we know the lion once could be found throughout the land of Israel, regardless of topography. They were considered one of the animals that shepherds had to protect their herds and flocks from. Even David, before he was king, claimed to have defeated lions attacking his sheep. Lions are also said to have occasionally attacked humans. It's an interesting correlation that just as the role of shepherd was associated with kings, so was the lion. As shepherd of the people, it was the king's job to establish and maintain order and safety for his flock, protecting them from predators and dangers, and providing them with sustenance. On the surface, the mighty and terrifying lion also provides an apt symbol for the power, strength, and persistence of a good king. As king of the wild, the lion fears only man. As king of his nation, the ruler fears only God, or the gods, depending on his culture. The lion's association with kingship may reach even deeper, as expressed by Neo-Assyrian culture. Their empire was the one that destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and severely humbled southern Judah. On the walls of excavated Assyrian palaces are carvings that depict royal lion hunts, and explanations of these hunts seem to move them beyond sport and into ceremony. The Assyrian kings believed they had a mandate from the gods to bring nature or the wild under control, to civilize even the wildlife. The lion served as the symbol for all this untamed chaos. By successfully hunting a lion, likely as part of their coronation, Assyrian kings took the place of the lion as king of the untamed world. They would not only protect their citizens from the wild, but actively had power over it. The lion's kingly association is more ancient than the Neo-Assyrian Empire. Kingly lion hunting scenes survive from the third millennia BC kingdom of Uruk, as well as from Egypt, and lion imagery adorns a king's mace head from Kish. In the Bible, King Solomon's throne was reached by six stairs flanked by a total of 12 lion statues, perhaps symbolizing the mighty king-like power of the 12 tribes of Israel, ruled over by the ultimate king, himself. At least in that early time of kings, it was a mighty thing to kill a lion, as seen by David's claim to have defeated them, one of his mighty men claiming the same, and of course the famous story of the judge Samson killing a young aggressive lion with his bare hands. It's not known if Israelite kings ever participated in kingly lion hunts, but it is possible that there were some unlawful lion cults or ceremonies that took place. This is hinted at by lion-shaped cult objects and by a lion bone found in northern Israel's apostate high place. 
there is a lot to process when it comes to this idea of of kingship and and lions and how uh, the the role of king or the expected role of king is really teased out and spoken of, especially by the prophets in the Bible. I'm thinking specifically of Jeremiah and Zechariah. It's really really interesting uh, when when we get there. Where that's a little bit of looking into the future when we get there to really keep this concept of the metaphor of the lion, the imagery of the lion and 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 this lion king in our heads. You know, it's interesting because uh, if you go to the website, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, you can see lions on the website and your pieces are put into print form and you can read it. You can watch the piece there, but you can read it and understand it and get the detail of it. So I want to encourage you to go to uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Thank you, Corey, mm-hmm. for a great report. And thank you, Ryan. Janice? Well, we have the wisdom of Agur here in Proverbs chapter 30. And I appreciate the humbleness, so it seems, of Agur and how he begins to describe himself that, you know, he's almost calls himself more stupid than any other man and that he didn't understand or have the knowledge of the Holy One. And yet he progresses in that chapter about asking the right questions about who is God and and where is he and, and what is the name of his son. And then he progresses into acknowledging that God's word is pure and that he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And you see this development of progression in God, which builds up this wisdom, this uh, divine wisdom in this man. And yet he sees himself in that place, that it's not his wisdom that he has gained within himself, It's a wisdom, it's a divine wisdom that God has placed in him as he has um, been seeking after God and asking these right questions and keeping himself in the word of God. I really appreciate Agur's request. We see it here, um, starting in verse 7, he says, Two things I request of you, and he's he's talking to God. Um, Deprive me not before I die is a little section that he adds. Um, He says, remove falsehood and lies far from me. And he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. When you really study that and, and take a look at it, what he's asking is to be content. He's asking God to help him to be content, understanding that it is God who is his provider, that it is God who makes a way for him. And that is the progression of the follower of Jesus Christ. We too are to be, Rod, like little children. We are to recognize that God is our father, that he is our salvation. He is our provider. He is our sustainer. He is the one who has given us life. And in that, We need to seek after him. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. We don't need to say, okay, well, I've given my life to Christ, and so now I'm okay. I have eternal life, and I'm okay. It 
begins a walk. It begins an action of who we are. It begins a discipline in our lives to read God's word, to spend time in prayer, to to ask the questions as Agar did, to understand that we don't lean on our own understanding. We've read that previously in Proverbs, to, to not depend on our own understanding, but to acknowledge God in everything that we do, in all of our ways, and he will direct our paths. And this is really what Agar is talking about. He's saying, you know, God, I don't want, I don't want to, to go after wealth and riches so that I have everything and then I forget about you. And then when I run into trouble, all of a sudden it's, oh God, please help me. He wanted a relationship with God, understanding that God will supply all his needs. Uh, it's like uh, um, Jesus said, uh, seek the kingdom of God first and all of these things will be added unto you. It's, we need to build God's kingdom first. We need to seek after God first. And I think it's an important message for us in today's world, when you know there is a lot of uncertainty in the world, but our provision and our sustenance and our contentedness comes from God. One of the things that's important to remember is, Janice, is that people, what what happens to them is they they're looking for quick answers Mm -hmm. and they have problems and the problems they sense and they've been trained by the media to be impatient and so what happens is they want answers to their problems but what god does is he comes in and as we build our relationship with him and as you said pours into us and focuses Mm -hmm. on us and then suddenly all of the questions settle down and we Begin our journey with God, and that's a big difference today. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to encourage you to understand that this is the, what, you, what Janice has described and what we're talking about is the description of God in you and the description of how God works. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you do, then what will happen is as you read the Bible, And as you study, you'll begin to shift and change Mm -hmm. and God changes you. So you're less self-centered and you're more centered around the needs of others. Because just because you give your life to the Lord that day, it's not like you've arrived. Exactly. You know, we we begin a process. And, And that's what this program really is about. That's what our family represents. We are a work in progress with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're learning, you know, this is our 32nd year through the Bible with this program. It's had different names in the past, but the same idea, taking us through the Bible in one year because there is so much to learn, so much to be taught by our Heavenly Father, by the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us if we if we if we have accepted the Lord. And so that's, begin your journey, continue on. As we studied the words of Agar, we learned a lot. Lord, I need to hear from you. I pray today and we pray today. Lord, we need to hear from you in our life. Help us to listen to your word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Now, I want to remind you of our Bible 
a prayer meeting on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern Time. Join us there live.